to Recipes for Success with me, your host, Heather Thompson. As a strategic career coach and mentor, I help unfulfilled women discover their true career potential. Recipes for Success is more than just a podcast. It's a platform that sparks curiosity, encourages self-reflection and offers a fresh perspective on what a successful career and life can look like. Whether you're seeking guidance in your career, personal development or simply looking for motivation, Recipes for Success is here to give food for thought, to empower and uplift you. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to check out my website, thesuccesscoach.ie, for more information on how you can work with me for personalised career coaching. Tune in and be inspired to create your own recipe for success. Meet Christine Doyle, a counselling psychotherapist and wellbeing life coach, dedicated to guiding clients back to their authentic selves. A perfect match for our team this season of self-discovery being the path to success. Passionate about the interplay of mindset, well-being and lifestyle, Christine had, in her own words, a shock, late diagnosis of autism last year, unravelling decades of feeling inexplicably different in the world. In an era where 1 in 50 people are diagnosed with autism in Ireland, Christine sheds light on the underreported reality of neurodivergence. Being an inclusive society requires understanding a diverse range of experiences as navigating a neurotypical world often compels neurodivergent people to put on masks in order to fit in and be spared being judged. Christine's late autism diagnosis empowered her, affirming her life experience and it helped her to fully unleash her innate desires, including moments of autistic joy that amuse her kids. You'll hear the stories later. Christine emphasises the transformative power of self-awareness, curiosity and compassion as keys to unlocking a happier, more authentic life. Welcome to Christine Doyle's Inspiring Story. Hello and you're very welcome back to another episode of Recipes for Success with me, your host, Heather Thompson. Today I'm delighted to be joined by the wonderful Christine Doyle, counselling psychotherapist, wellbeing coach and autism advocate. Christine, you're very welcome. Thanks very much, Heather. Thanks for having me on. Oh gosh, so delighted. And I know you're also a fellow uh, Wexford uh, native, so I've seen so much of your work and really delighted to have you here to have a, a little bit of a chat. Yeah, thanks a million. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. So I introduced you there as, you know, a couple of the things that you do. Uh, I could be here all day introducing all the wonderful <laughs> things that you do. But I was mentioning about being a counsel, a counselling psychotherapist, your like well-being life coach, particularly working with empowering women. And you're involved in like philanthropic endeavours like Colour Her Way, which is all about the safety and empowerment of women. And most recently, you've been talking on your platforms about your late diagnosis of autism and ADHD I suppose for our listeners it'd be wonderful to understand like maybe what were some of the life events that brought you down the path of the life coach to therapist and then being this autism advocate yeah thanks Heather um I think I kind of touched on when we were having our little chat earlier that sometimes it can be hard for me to um snap size these things but I'll go with it as much as I can I think, you know, for me, it was always a little bit confusing as to why I was drawn to be a therapist. I always wanted to support and work with people in a meaningful way, but I was really good at maths. 
And actually that kind of the knowing of maths and knowing the answer and that certainty of getting to the final answer really suited my mindset and I really loved it. So it was kind of at odds with me to go and be a therapist where there is no real answer and there is no direct route. Mm. Um, And it is a lot more open and vague, but my desire for um, meaningful conversation and for living authentically really brought me that way. So then um, I was working for, I've been working for about 10 years, maybe longer now as a psychotherapist. Very successfully, I've got a really thriving practice. I love my work. And in the last few years, then I went and retrained as a well-being coach because I felt some people got to a stage in therapy where the resolution of the past, they'd reached the resolution of the past, but maybe didn't know how to step into their present so much or how to fully realize and I mean make real the work that they had done in therapy so it's really how we show up today you know really um shows us how we have healed from the past how I'm showing up today differently shows how we've healed from the past so I love being a life coach as well and often in my work I'll combine both depending on what the client wants and through all this through all this desire for deeper self-awareness has been really my driving force throughout my life you know deeper self-awareness. I've got a huge interest in spirituality, in connection, in supporting people to find their own happiness and would really see that time and time again in my therapy room. Time and time again, people feeling that they, you know, that they knew themselves better, that they were, you know, they were able to, they were able to support themselves better, that they were processing what they needed to process and they were having all these aha and eureka moments and it was really, really helpful and they were moving on. And through all this, I I always still just felt a little bit unsure of who I was. And it was really, uh, it was really, I suppose, a struggle for me. And yet part of me wondered, are assumed everyone felt that way that maybe none of us really know who we are that maybe we all kind of go through life guessing or trying to keep up and because that's certainly how life was for me so even though I'm really skilled in my job even though I support my clients really well even though self-awareness self-help mental health spirituality has been the focus of my entire life all of that introspection and self-reflection was incomplete when I didn't understand that my brain wasn't the same as everyone else's Mm. so this search for self-awareness and real belief in self-awareness as being the key to our happiness was built on a neurotypical model so I was looking for this self-awareness through the way that neurotypicals responded and received it but for me that self-awareness was just outside of my grasp because the one thing that I needed to know was totally foreign to me and that was autism Mm. so I suppose that has always been I've always been searching through my life I've always been trying to figure things out never been unhappy Heather you know like I've been very happy in my search for things it's never been a big struggle of mine I don't want to paint it that way but certainly there was always a feeling that There was something I, not that I didn't know, but that maybe I wasn't getting or that life felt different for me. And maybe I was very sensitive or maybe I was very empathic or maybe I was, I, I just kind of wondered about all of these things that I could have been. But the way autism 
was shown to me by society was never something that I could identify with. So Mm. to me, autism was locked away in a different room. The autism that I have been shown through my years growing up and even in training as a therapist and working as a therapist is hugely at odds with the person that I am. So I I really, um, yeah, so as, as I said, <laughs> in an intro, go on and on and on. Yes. But, but basically, that's why I studied to be a therapist. That's why I love being a therapist. That's why I wanted yeah. to go then and felt that wasn't enough. I wanted to be a well-being coach as well, to be able to offer that to people who were coming through therapy, maybe wanted more or didn't want therapy and wanted coaching. But I was still searching. In myself, I was still searching. And that answer only came this year. Just so much of what you're saying, Christine, and thanks so much for kind of sharing that background um, with us. You were talking about just feeling like you weren't quite connected with who you were. And I think it's really interesting that you were saying it didn't necessarily mean you were unhappy. And I think maybe a lot of the time we think that for not fully showing up as who we feel we are that unhappiness is the result but I do get what you're saying that maybe you felt like there was a piece missing or maybe things were you know a little bit harder you seem to struggle a little bit more than other people and I think that's a really interesting point and like when you got the diagnosis then around autism and I hear what you're saying as well about, you know, we there can be a kind of a caricature of what that means. But of course, it's a spectrum, right? So spectrum is a broad range of experiences. And we might not necessarily have seen that in traditional media or even, like you said, in professional training. Was that the missing piece for you? Like, was that when you know, oh, this is who I am? Yeah. So like, I suppose being authentic and being self-aware is a huge value of autistic people in general anyway because life is very Mm. confusing for us so it was never that I didn't want to be authentic I always just couldn't really figure there was something that was different Mm. I just always felt a little bit different a little bit misunderstood I felt I found life confusing I certainly found life quite overwhelming at times and as I look back through my social media over the last few years the word overwhelm comes up time and time and time and time again like my life is exactly as I want it to be Heather I have you know loving family loving friends I do I have a job I love and so there was no unhappiness but there was a confusion and when I so and my and my diagnosis so like it what I'll talk about the pathway to my diagnosis in a moment but when I got my mm. diagnosis first of all it was shock you know absolute shock because until I read the word mm. you are autistic it had never been something that had even crossed my mind so for a lot of people they may have wider mm. views of autism in their lives for many years. For me, it was quite narrow and it was quite blinkered and quite naive and ill-informed, you know, mm. and I suppose I'm quite embarrassed about that as well, you know, that as a psychotherapist who would have worked with stereotypical, you know, I would see the classic autist and I would have worked very successfully yeah, with yeah. the classic autist. There were many women who were in my room who have felt confused or um, that, that they're misunderstood or that relationships haven't worked out very well for them or that they things you know life is just not really uh, they're, they're finding life difficult and f- you know for so many of us 
autism is the is the answer not for everyone but you know 20 years ago one in 2500 people were diagnosed with autism Mm. now it's one in 50 and that's not because there are more autistic people but just that we are understanding autism a little bit more and that the spectrum is more being more recognized for example 20 years ago you know you would only be you would only be seen as as maybe raising your hand for a diagnosis or your parents would have been raising the hand for a diagnosis if it was also with intellectual disability so that was part of the criteria when I was in school whereas of course in that is not part of autism you know so it it can be you know there can be autistic people who have also have intellectual disability but the same Mm. for non-autistic people but so many people got bypassed so many people didn't get seen because of the narrow criteria of autism that has widened now and is much more informed now, but still has a long way to go. But yes, back to your question, I know I've kind of gone around the houses there. When I read You Are Autistic, it was absolute shock, absolute out of the blue. But then I do what every autistic person does when they get a diagnosis, which is read everything you can find. We are super passionate people. So we absolutely deep dive, hyper focus into our areas of interest. So I read memoir after memoir of (laughs) women who were late diagnosed autistic. And I suppose that's where I saw myself reflected. And as I read their stories, it was just incredible. It was incredible to see words on a page that were my words, because throughout my life, I have never seen those words. Mm. Throughout my life, I've only ever seen neurotypical words are then the classic autist words, but never words that were similar to mine. So when I read that, the affirmation that I got that actually I'm not alone, I'm not broken, I'm not the only person out there, but also then, hang on, how many more people are out there like me? that do not have this information. So, and for me, like I I wanted to know as much as I could, but I was very eager to highlight that we need to be a little bit more informed about this because so many people are struggling with mental health and it's nothing to do with mental health. It's to do with neurodivergence. Yeah, I so agree. And the world is set up right in a neurotypical way. So like even if we use something as commonplace as working hours, right? And I know you've mentioned this before that it it maybe made a lot of sense to you why you've been self-employed for so long because you do have way more autonomy over like your working conditions and times of working. And for people who are neurodivergent, like that is very helpful because you mentioned words like overwhelm, right? And we talk a lot about burnout and stuff these days, but they're not the problem as such the problem is we're trying to work in a way that suits neurotypical people not everyone is neurotypical if you're neurodivergent you do need a different environment or a different setup for you to thrive I think it's really interesting that we're still very slow to realize that you know and you're right like things are misdiagnosed and maybe as anxiety or something else but it hasn't actually got to the root of the problem uh, and then you know change change isn't going to stick as much because you're trying to treat no. the wrong thing basically yeah 100% you know well like for me when i was feeling a lot of emotions in the last year 
I was querying a lot of things. So, well, I'll go back to that. I'll go back to the mental health in a minute. But to your point, Heather, when you're talking about workplace and, you know, let's talk about education mm. as well, there is a wider acceptance, I think, of neurodivergence. But acceptance is not what neurodivergent people need. To be honest, we're very accepting of yeah. ourselves. You know, it's inclusivity is what we need. And so at the moment in schools, and there are special education classes set up. There are, you know, special resources set up. And to be honest, I have a real bugbear with that mm. word special. It's like wrapping something in a bow that is not very, you know, not very palatable. I don't like the word special. I don't like the word special education. I don't like the word special resources. I don't like the word special needs. You know, we're not special. You know, we're divergent. We're different. Yeah. And the issue is that at the moment... Yes, if I raise my hand in a working environment and say, I am autistic and I would prefer to have these conditions, maybe those allowances would be made for me. Maybe they wouldn't because it's pushing things, you know, maybe they wouldn't. But what we need to be working towards is we're not one in 2,500 people anymore. We're one in 50 with current stats. And even the current stats, I don't think are anywhere near to showing the actual stats. And so if we recognize that in any company, in any school, there are so many people that are probably undiagnosed that would really benefit from a more supportive and all-inclusive environment where they could thrive, we need to look at not othering them by giving them supports and resources, although, of course, putting those in place for those that need them, but making the working environment more inclusive so that everybody could thrive rather than giving special treatment if you raise your hand. Yeah, I agree. And I, I would agree with you about the word special because I think it co- like has a connotation of sort of precious and you being extra, like extra needy or like needing, yeah. you know, it's like phrases like, and I know you've talked about this on your blog, like drama queen and stuff. Like I do think there's a lot of power in language and you're right. I think like that is not what we're talking about here. It's what we're talking about here is exactly what you're saying. It's about environments being more inclusive and more supportive. And I always found it quite interesting that, so let's say in the workplace, if you've ADHD, sometimes deadlines are a little bit tricky, right? But on the other side of it, you hyper-focus. So like you said, like you're so passionate about something, you go so deep into it. And there's like creativity that comes with that. I just think it's really interesting that companies feel like they can get the benefit of the focus, the passion and the creativity, but they're not willing to kind of acknowledge that maybe like a deadline driven environment isn't always the most suitable. I feel like sometimes they're trying to get the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah. And I suppose I always come at things from a, if we only knew better, yeah. I think for the most part, people are really good. You know, I think for the most part, we all want to help each other along. Honestly, I think a lot of it is driven by fear because when I saw that diagnosis of autism, I was terrified, yeah. you know, and I think a lot of people, we fear well, and when we fear something, we kind of close our eyes to it. I don't really need to know. That's nothing to do with me. I'll leave that over there. So I think the more open we can be about acknowledging that neurodiversity is everywhere yeah. and supporting people as adults that they know what is the best way for them yeah. and having open forums where we can all discuss it. 
where we can figure out or even see when someone is behaving differently or acting differently that we're not judgmental of it but we're more curious of it you know that possibly there is something else going on there possibly there is a neurodivergence and I would love that we get to a stage where we acknowledge that when someone's behavior is there that's information that's not there to be judged but that's information and that's them telling us how we can better accommodate them and information for ourselves and how we can um, self-advocate for ourselves as well you know and ask for what we need but I do feel that we're asking a lot of companies and a lot of the education system by the way and and a lot of the schools when they don't have the information they're not provided with the information because I think for the most part if people knew what they could do and how they could support I honestly believe they would. I think we just don't know enough. No, I totally agree. And you're so right. It is education kind of breeds empowerment, doesn't it? And the more people understand. But like to your point, you know, when you approach things with that attitude of curiosity, I I definitely think that really helps. Something I learned is assume best intent, right? Like even if someone does act a little bit weird, if you assume best intent, it allows you to be more open minded about why someone's acting that way right like it's not like the person's maybe deliberately late perhaps it's just they got stuck in traffic and it does create a more compassionate environment I wanted to ask you about you know we're talking about neurodivergence and neurotypical and like often the world is set up for neurotypicals and like I don't know if you've ever felt this I, I know I've heard this from my clients as well then if that environment doesn't work for you like you can feel like a failure and like how how do people navigate that when it's not actually them that's the failure right it's sort of the environment has failed them or they're trying to squeeze themselves into a box that doesn't belong to that but they're coming out of it feeling quite ashamed and feeling like it's a failure is that something you've ever had to navigate or what's your thoughts on that yeah so like again I think this is the power of diagnosis or this is the power of having the label of autism. Mm. Like before I would have, um, you know, reacted. So I, for, for me, I see autism as kind of an intensity of sensitivity and intensity of experience of the world. So that's mm. like, I feel things really intensely. Now yeah. I'm really passionate positively and negatively if we yeah. want to put it that way. But like I am on the side of my son's pitch jumping up and down and whooping and he's a 12 year old boy who really wishes his mom didn't do that. but I am all in um, yeah. and when I'm with my friends I'm all in when I'm in my therapy room I'm all in you get every part of me I feel things really deeply I have a really really deep intuition all of that I've always kind of had a real knowing of myself but it's how that's received by others and you see the looks and you see the, you know, the kind of the reactions of others are sometimes it's not even a look. It's a like, God, why would you do that? Or why would you say that? Or that's so weird. Mm. And that's what then encourages a mask. So that's when you learn what actually how I am. And as I look around, God, the other moms aren't jumping, you know, <laughs> because surely we're all feeling that passion for our sons. But for some reason, they don't feel <laughs> that that burst of energy that I do you know and I know they all have the same feeling but for me that's unusual but I don't judge and actually autistic people for the most part 
are very unjudgmental because we're so concerned with not having people judge us and having the feeling of being constantly judged and kind of told to shh or quieten down or you know don't do that or you know people will think that's a bit weird all through our lives that we learn to mask and we learn how to behave in society I know very well how to behave I still refuse to I still jump and I still wave at my daughter from the audience and I still but I know what's expected but now that I know that this is my autistic joy and I actually get autistic joy that non-autistic people don't get and I feel I feel so um lucky you know and I'm and I Mm. and I really lean into that autistic joy because I also have the other side of autism that is more difficult at times but as I know that my experiences are due to my neurodivergence and not because I need to work harder or not because I need to not be so weird or not because um you know, other people might think something. I really don't care what other people think, but Mm. I know now why I'm doing it. And I'm not searching for, because before, before the diagnosis, I would have searched for, why is that? Like, why, you know, do I feel things like that? Why am I in a situation and I'm in a room where I can feel loads of tension and everyone else is just pretending it's not happening. And I feel like screaming because I can really feel it. Now that I know and can ascribe it to, that is how autistic people feel. There's such a calm that comes with that. So now rather than searching for why can't I do better, now I search for, okay, how do I better mind myself in those situations? And the increase in self-compassion that my diagnosis has given me has been infinite, you know, and the self-compassion that I've always searched for and I've always been on a journey of self-awareness, but it was, it would always have been out of my reach without understanding that actually I needed to start with autism. And autism is my roadmap. Autism gives me a language. I'm not the same as any other autistic person nor is any other autistic person the same as me, but there is a commonality in our experiences. There is a commonality in how we sense the world. There is a commonality in those books that I've read. And so now when people don't understand me, I'm okay with that, Heather. I don't expect everyone to understand me, but I understand me. You understand yourself. Yeah. Say that's been amazing to feel like that because I think I I definitely know like the more I've understood about myself like that, I don't feel like a failure because I I feel more like it's me understanding like why I am the way I am or why I show up in the world. And you're right. Like if other people don't understand that, that's okay because it's only me who needs to understand that. You use yeah. You use the word weird there a couple of times. Is that like sort of a, a hurtful things that has been said to you in the past? Um, I suppose I would have heard the word weird in 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 line with some of my behaviors, and then sometimes like my eye contact, like I can I can stare. <laughs> so, so if I find something unusual in an environment, I can stare, and I notice myself staring. So honestly. I'm like I don't I, I'm not shameful of the word weird I think some of the things that I do are quite quirky and are right. quite weird and <laughs> um, but yeah like I'm okay with being a little bit weird it doesn't really bother me I think we're all a bit weird you know and um yeah I don't mean it as an insult 
Um, I suppose I just mean it as an affectionate way. I use it for myself. I would never call anyone else weird, but I'm okay with me yeah. saying, oh, sure, you know, that 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 is unusual. When someone, yes, sorry, to answer your question, people have said to me in the past, God, Christine, that was really weird. And that has been hurtful because, as I said, autistic people really don't judge. Mm. We're so aware of being misunderstood for so long in our lives that we don't ever want to put that on someone else so for the most part autistic mm. people are are quite unjudgmental we don't really care as long as you're happy you know off you go you be yeah, you yeah. and the fear is always through the masking you're always trying to subconsciously by the way i masking is a bit of a funny word because masking is what how you learn to behave in society by picking up the rules that other people show you. Yes. But it's unconscious, yes. you know, so I never knew I had a mask on. And it's only as I've understood yeah. my autistic side more, or my autistic core more, it's not a side of me, it's it's, it's deeper than anything else. I, I can yeah. see the mask that I've put on. But as the, but that mask was a survival mechanism. So as you're with people and you know you need to put on a mask because you've seen the looks and you know that some of the way you behave when you're at your most natural is extra <laughs> or too much then and then it slips you know and someone go, turns around and says god that was yeah. really weird it's like it, it is so um fearful to be called out as weird by someone else because you're spending your whole life trying to fit in it's so true and you, you said it there it's about you know trying to follow along these unwritten rules of whether it's like you're saying like how you're meant to act on the side of the pitch when you're supporting your son but you know it sounds like you've sort of reclaimed that word weird for yourself in terms of you feeling like you know it's it's quirks and you know you're very comfortable in it at times but I think like sometimes these words that have been said to us that have been hurtful like we can reclaim them and actually enjoy you know if someone says you've odd odd taste in clothes or odd taste in music you know there was a time that that would have been really hurtful like now I totally yeah. you know would say for me like I love country music I always I kind of choke with my friends like you know I should be on the back of a pickup truck with a bottle of beer or else I would have been in Paris like writing existential mm. philosophy but like I embrace that sort of quirks where I'm interested in what to many people are really opposite or really not cool but that's okay like you can think it's not cool I think it's cool and if I like it that's the main thing I did want to ask you about masks because like yourself like I would like value authenticity I think it's really really important but you're right like we do put on masks whether it's maybe with our family or when we go to work or even like you said what sort of deemed cool to like how do you balance using a mask to rightfully protect yourself and actually showing up authentically yeah so like suppose when I talk about my mask as I said every autistic person mm. is different so I can only talk about my mask when I found out I was autistic the fact then that I was masking to myself or to others was like that, like that actually caused a lot of tears for me because if I had been masking for 45 years, would I ever know who I truly was? You know, mm. so the mask is not intentional. The mask, you must understand, starts at like six, 12 months and you start putting it on and it, it, it is so 
woven and interwoven in every fiber of who you are that it's very difficult to to shine more authentically so authenticity is a huge value of mine as you mentioned and self-awareness is a huge value of mine so like to sit there and kind of go well who the hell am I then because I've always valued authenticity and never intentionally shown up as anything different so I suppose for instance my you know again my son you know our children can be really funny because you know they 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 say it as it is sometimes and uh, my son kind of says to me sometimes he'd say because he'll say to me oh mom well other mums wouldn't do that and we kind of laugh right you know so now that I know that I'm autistic I'm going with I'm leaning into what naturally bubbles up inside of me which may have kind of been breathed out or pushed down or something you know tended Mm. to in another way so like a month ago or six weeks ago we were with extended family or watching a rugby match now I really don't care about sports I have no interest except for when I'm there when I'm there I am the number one sports fan in the room like I couldn't tell you anyone on the team, but when I'm there, I'm fully in. So this is really tense. Ireland are playing. Couldn't tell you who they were playing. Couldn't tell you what the... Well, you were there for them. Only New Zealand, right? Eight o'clock on a Saturday evening and all the family are sitting around. The family are big sports fans, you know? So they're all... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are, they are the ones putting on the match. I didn't even know the match was on. They're the ones putting on the match. They're really invested. They're sitting up. They're setting up their station to watch it. And they're sitting there blankly. But I am jumping, whooping, I'm screaming. I'm so that's where I see my mask, you know, not not really, you know, before I would have looked around and I would have felt all this inside me, but I didn't allow myself to stand up and jump, you know. So now um my mask, yeah, I see that and I see them look at me in that situation, but again. That's okay. I don't mind them looking yeah, yeah. because I know I'm autistic and I know this is autistic joy and boy, I'm going to have a good time with it. Yeah, I love it. I hear you say like you're not sort of screening, screening out that innate desire or instinct that comes to you in that situation. Whereas maybe before you would have masked that everyone else is still sitting down. They're bigger fans than I. Who am I to jump up? But now you're not. And I think that's amazing because that is what authenticity is. And I hear what you were saying about, oh God, I authenticity was always so important. And was I being authentic if I was actually masking this autism? But is that not more like when you know better, you know, it allows us to do better yeah. because it wasn't like you were consciously doing that, you know? no. Yeah, but the freedom of actually allowing all of that now, I didn't know I was suppressing it. Yeah. There was nothing conscious. I was never trying to con myself or con others. I was never trying to dull myself down. It was all an unconscious process. Yeah. Um, but now I can see it more. Like I can I I can feel it and I can see it. So the masking, yeah, around Others, and even with myself, even with myself, when I feel experiences now, before understanding you're autistic, well, especially as girls or females, we're encouraged to fit in, bend, mold, Mm -hmm. support, care for, be nice, be good. 
And when you don't do that, you know, you do get the looks and you do get the, you know, the wondering and, you know, and also with yourself. So a society excluded with myself, with my own mirror, you know, or feeling yeah. my own things. It's like, why am I feeling like this? Mm. Like I have, I love my life. I have a really calm life. I love my job. I'm in a great relationship. I like, I like, why am I feeling like this? It just was so at odds. So mm. now, and so you'd kind of, I don't know, like for a while, like I, I gave up alcohol three years ago, but for a while, maybe reach for a glass of red wine because you were stressed or maybe, you know, go for a run. Not that I run, but like, you know, you go to the gym or go for a walk, but people work out that emotion, you know, yeah, so you yeah. can work out that emotion by by reaching for something that will soothe that emotion but when that emotion keeps showing up so it was always kind of masking it within myself always dealing with the emotion as it showed up but never really understanding I could never really get to the crux of it not consistently showing up I was still always overwhelmed I read something really interesting that you wrote on one of your blogs and it was something like you tried everything in pursuit of peace and you mentioned, you know, like meditation and Reiki and you're mentioning there like exercise and in the past a glass of red wine and I totally get what you're saying. Like it's sort of like if you're like, and I'm doing this quote unquote, everything right, as in you have a toolkit, you're taking care of yourself, you are aware, you know, maybe you've gone to therapy, you've got that outside lens and something is still missing, then maybe that is where something like a diagnosis, that maybe that's the missing part. Maybe there's something there that hasn't been explored. And maybe that's a message that people can take away. If you're feeling like that, that you've done everything that you can do, and yet you still can't quite make sense of yourself or the world, maybe there's something else underlying that. 100%, Heather. 100%. And I'd go even further to say... Maybe we could ask that question first. Yeah. You know, so. How do we do that? Yeah. So like, so like I was going through, okay, is it anxiety? Let's look at this. Is it anxiety? But I know that I know the symptoms of anxiety and I'm not an anxious person except for in certain situations, you know? So is it, is yes. it low mood? I'm really not, a, you know, an unhappy person. I'm a real glass of glass half full person you know is yeah. it stress there's very little in my life that's stress you know so as I kind of went through all the things I just is a perimenopause you know was it alcohol yeah. but I removed all of these things I, I I I met all of these things nothing was making a difference and for me I would have preferred to know 20 years ago and not have mm. gone through all these paths looking for paths looking for peace when maybe neurodivergence was the first thing I questioned. Because if neurodivergence yeah. was the first thing I questioned, I would have met myself totally differently. If we're meeting someone who's showing up with anxiety, we're challenging them to maybe go outside of their comfort zone a little bit, meet themselves with compassion in certain areas, and challenge their thinking processes. But all of that goes out the window when you know that you're dealing with a neurodivergent mindset. You know, so mm. I would love if that not only that it was the last thing people thought of you know or an option that people thought thing? of but maybe it's the first because as i said now we mm. recognize that one in 50 people are uh, neurodivergent that number is going to change there are so many people that are neurodivergent out there that are wondering what is up what's going on and they're going through therapy they're going through holistic healing they're they're looking for answers they're arriving 
you know, in all vulnerable spaces, they're drinking too much. They're, they're finding ways to survive and get through. Whereas if there was no stigma in being autistic and we're far from that, but I, I am part of that. I'm championing that one and talking about my autism to help that. If there was no stigma about being autistic, why wouldn't it be one of the first questions we ask? Because then it just changes the whole roadmap. Then it's a totally different understanding. And then we meet that person as they are rather than trying to encourage them to change or fit in or do better or be less weird. You know what? You've you've really put that really eloquently, Christine, because you're so right. That toolkit, it's not been about fixing you or there's just something wrong. It's more about supporting like the very essence of who you are. And you're so right. Like that is what we should be be starting with. And I think it's 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 really interesting like to lean into that and think about what the world would look like if we did that because I think it would be like yeah. a way more compassionate a way more jo- like you used the word joy a couple of times way more joyful way more inclusive place to to be if we could all start from being who we truly are and then move through the world not trying to mask that to like make other people happy yeah and like I always wanted to know who I truly was and support that. But when when who I truly am is autistic and autistic was othered mm. and autistic was shameful and autistic was stigmatized and autistic was high support needs and autistic was classic autism, that wasn't available to me. And that does anger me, mm. you know, that there wasn't a wider view of autism available to me. Now, maybe my mar- nar- mindset was very narrow maybe I was looking the other way but I'm not alone Um, and if I was looking the other way other people are too so I suppose to your earlier question how do we know you know how do we maybe ask that question along you know with the first questions a huge part of neurodivergence is it's very innate so those things like hearing god that's a bit unusual or that's a bit weird or she's a bit strange or extra Mm. or you know if you're hearing that in your family or how your family shows up is not how other families really show up you know there could be undiagnosed neurodivergence in your family if there's diagnosed neurodivergence in your family that's a really sure sign it's in families. Mm. It's innate. It's genetic. That's not to say that my mom or dad or any of my brothers or sisters are um, neurodivergent, but it certainly is in the bloodline. So there might be an aunt or there might be a granddad or there might be something or there might be yeah. a cousin. Or... So it's really looking at your own family structures. It's looking at your sensations and how you sense the world. Do you Are your sensations heightened? Do you feel things very deeply? Those like so so the sensations is obviously the touch and smell and you know do you find clothes tags itchy but everyone finds things differently in terms of the sensations and for me that was a little bit out of my grasp because I had convinced myself that wasn't that I was just overreacting yeah so I just needed to but I did sense emotions very deeply so we can have a hypo or hyper a very um, low feeling or a very strong feeling towards our physical sensations or our sensory sensations Mm. or our emotional sensations but again I suppose the one thing that I would say is a huge commonality among late diagnosed autistic people is always feeling that there's something you don't know there's something that just feels different. Yeah. 
I was reading a post that you did on Instagram. You were mentioning like some of the co-occurring traits that can come with autism or things like eating disorders and addiction and gastro issues. And I was like, I actually didn't know that. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, if you again, if you're talking about a late diagnosis, like if you're looking back in your life and you're yeah. seeing some of these as a, a team or like reoccurrence in your life. I mean, I think it's just very interesting not just you I think as a society we have a closed view of what it means to be autistic so if you're seeing that pattern or history there maybe it is opening up your mind to think oh gosh like is there other traits of autism that are applicable because maybe this is a part of the understanding of why those things have have occurred so I think you're after giving like a really good range of whether it's emotions the sensations those kind of patterns in our life that might help people to get thinking oh well maybe there is as you said even family history can be very helpful maybe to finish on this christine because i know you've gone through this you know in terms of that like late diagnosis as a woman like let's say i did have a friend or a work colleague and they have equally got that diagnosis what can i do to support them yeah um thanks heather and thanks for reminding me about those um those other um signs I suppose maybe that neurodivergence may be at play mm. but yeah uh, I I've been like overwhelmed by the support that I've gotten from my friends and family and a huge part of me really I'm felt delighted. for them because how do you respond to someone when they tell you you're autistic mm. it's a big thing for people to take on and going back to a theme that we've been talking about over and over here is really with curiosity you know curiosity and compassion so it's like god you know tell me more about that or how does that show up for you or what is that like for you god i really don't know too much about it tell me what that might be like and of course we all know something about autism so for a lot of us it's the unlearning of autism that can allow us to experience our friend who's autistic so i might have a fourth cousin who is autistic and i see that as autism but i don't see the person beside me and their autism so it's about Mm. not letting what we know about autism cloud us but recognizing that every autistic person is one autistic person every time you meet an autistic person you've met one autistic person just like if you meet a non-autistic person you've met one non-autistic person Mm. so openness and curiosity thanks for telling me god can you tell me a bit more about that has been just so amazing to receive and so supportive to receive because I understand that people don't know. I don't expect people to know, you know, how could they know when I didn't know, but for them to give me the grace and the space to be able to let them know my experience is just hugely loving and giving and something that I've really, really appreciated. Oh, well, look, First of all, I'm, you know, delighted that that has been the reaction and it's something, you know, you're so deserving of because you put out so much positivity like into the world through your your work as a counsellor, but also in the work that you do with Colour Her Way. So I'm really great to hear that that's been reflected back to you. And I think, you know, when we're talking about self-awareness as being the path to success, I couldn't think of a better note to finish on than talking about curiosity and openness and how that is a doorway into self-awareness and a more fulfilling life Christine thank you so much for sharing your journey so honestly and authentically and giving a voice to women who are in a similar situation of late diagnosis and I've definitely learned a lot from this conversation and I'm sure my listeners will too 
Yeah, thanks so much, Heather. And um, I also, you know, as I said, when well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be here and just to talk a little bit more about autism and to you know, give it a more of a platform. I think the more we can hear about it, the more maybe it can be helpful to us ourselves or those around us. And I'm also, as a psychotherapist, then going and training. I'm training now at the moment. I'm just finished my training to be able to support autistic clients and really want to be able to support late diagnosed autistic clients and autistic clients in general who have searched and struggled for so long to understand themselves better and so it's been wonderful to be able to talk about it today and um, thank you so much for being such a wonderful and gentle and compassionate host oh you're very welcome and uh, like it's amazing to hear that it's opening up new doors and possibilities and opportunities for you that's fantastic listeners i link in christine she's a fabulous instagram page so i'll link that in in the show notes as well as well as a wonderful blog where she's written about the experience of being diagnosed and all of the roller coaster of emotions that comes with that so i'll link that in for your uh, your reading pleasure as well until next time thank you very much If you've enjoyed this episode of Recipes for Success with me, Heather Thompson, I will be grateful if you can take a moment to rate, review and subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. I love reading your feedback and it will help others find us. Visit my website, thesuccesscoach.ie for more resources and information on how you can work with me for personalised career coaching. Remember to follow me on social media at successcoachheather, all the one word, on Instagram for updates, behind the scenes content and sneak peeks of upcoming podcast episodes. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like me to cover, please feel free to reach out as I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thank you for listening and remember, your success story awaits. (music) 